episodes drop the last Monday. It's a man, it's a man, forgot that. It's a man, it's a man, forgot that. It's a man, it's a man, forgot that. All right, welcome to the Matt Forgot That podcast, the place to recollect and reminisce. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to rewatch and review a movie or TV pilot that I've seen before but don't quite remember. It could be a blockbuster, critic's choice, or cult classic. If you want to join in on the conversation, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've reviewed or want to share your own trip down memory lane, use the hashtag MattForgotThat on social. Before we start, there have been many iconic lines from movies. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Here's looking at you, kid. Go ahead. Make my day. You talking to me? Show me the money. You can't handle the truth. I'll have what she's having. You're gonna need a bigger boat. But there's one iconic line that almost started World War III where I worked. So this was back in the day. We had the five Planet of the Apes movies, the original ones. This was way before they rebooted it. I was at a movie station, and we had scheduled a marathon. And to promote the marathon, the creative team came up with a 30-second promo. And it was great. Beautifully cut. The graphics were right. It was brilliant. And it ended with a soundbite of one of the iconic lines. Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. So the promo was sent to the department head, who reviewed it, and he came back with one note. You have to take out the word damn. And this puzzled the creative team, because that's the line. Not only that, it's an iconic line. But the department head said, I don't want to have any profanity in our promos. And the creative team shot back, but there's profanity in the movies that people are watching on the network. Then the department had replied, yes, but viewers choose to watch the movie. They don't necessarily choose to watch the promo. So if they're sitting in the commercial break and suddenly one of our promos has a profanity in it, that could be upsetting to someone. And the creative team went back, and under protest, they cut out the damned. So the sound kind of dipped a little in the promo. And no one even brought up the fact that it was just the word damned. You know what I mean? But we had a very conservative department head, and damn was not acceptable. These are the type of arguments that programming and creative people have over the years. Another one is, do you spoil a movie in a promo? Now, if a movie's been out for 30 years, 40 years, there's an expectation that, hey, if you didn't see it, it's your own fault. But I've built a whole podcast about not seeing very popular movies. So even though I know the endings and some of the twists of the movies I watch, I wouldn't necessarily want to purposely get spoiled if I hadn't seen it. So anyway, I bring this up because it's related to the movie I'm watching today, which is Planet of the Apes. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is skip it. Two stars watch at your own risk. Three stars standard fare. Four stars worth checking out. And five stars must see. Now, if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. In this episode of the podcast, I'm rewatching and reviewing Planet of the Apes from 1968. 
It was directed by Franklin J. Schaffner, who helmed Islands in the Stream, and The Boys from Brazil. He won an Oscar at the 1971 Academy Awards for Best Director of Patton. The screenplay was co-written by Michael Wilson, who scribed The Place in the Sun and Lawrence of Arabia, and Rod Serling, the creator of The Twilight Zone and Night Gallery. It was based on the novel of the same name by Pierre Boulle, who also wrote Bridge on the River Kwai. It stars Charlton Heston as George Taylor. He was born in Wilmette, Illinois, and raised in St. Helens, Michigan. While in high school, he enrolled in the drama program at New Trier. He earned a scholarship to Northwestern University in drama, where his classmates included Paul Lind, Cloris Leachman, and Charlotte Ray. In 1944, he enlisted in the United States Army Air Force and reached the rank of Staff Sergeant. After serving, he moved to New York and appeared on Broadway in Antony and Cleopatra and on the television anthology series Studio One. He was spotted by producer H.B. Wallace, who offered him a role in Dark City, but his breakthrough would be in The Greatest Show on Earth. He appeared in a dozen more films before landing The Ten Commandments. A few years later, he would star in Ben-Hur, which would earn him an Oscar win for Best Actor in a Leading Role. With the success of Planet of the Apes, he would appear in many action movies in the 1970s, including The Omega Man, The Three Musketeers, and Earthquake. He was the youngest man to receive the Cecil B. DeMille Award at the age of 43. This is what I remember. First, the infamous line, which we've already discussed. Second, the other infamous line, the only good human is a dead human, used as a rallying cry. Next, the other, other infamous line, it's a madhouse, as Heston gets the hose on him. And of course, the ending, which has to be a top 10 iconic image from movie history, right? But while I have seen bits and pieces over the years, it's been a long time since I've actually seen the film. So now I'm heading off to watch the movie. This is what I forgot. The movie starts with the spacecraft nicknamed Icarus, which has spent six months in deep space. It's hypothesized that the Earth has aged nearly 700 years since they left Cape Kennedy. Skipper George Taylor dictates his final report before joining his crew in the deep sleep before their 12-month trek to touchdown. The ship ends up crash-landing into a lake and starts taking on water. The crew wakes up and sends out a signal to ASNA, the American National Space Administration, to alert them that they've landed. Then they blow the hatch and abandon ship, rowing to the shoreline. As they observe their surroundings, George Taylor believes that they are 320 light-years from Earth, on an unnamed planet in an orbit around a star in the constellation of Orion. Now that was very specific and takes some talent, especially when they didn't have ways. They take inventory and have enough food and supplies for three days, though they're unsure how long a day is on the planet. As they investigate the land, they come across sinister scarecrows, which potentially serve as a warning. After they bathe under a waterfall, they notice footprint tracks in the mud. They're not alone. They spot beings taking their clothing and equipment and chase after them to find a group of primitive men and women who are enslaved by the rulers of the planet. Apes. Here's a quote without context. What will he find out there, Doctor? Planet of the Apes was really solid filmmaking all around. It's a good movie, but of course I have some minor quibbles with it. 
Even though it's called Planet of the Apes, we don't see any primates until about 30 minutes in. I mean, it wasn't going to be a surprise, right? It's in the title. So I wanted to get to the apes faster. That's when the film starts to pick up speed. The acting is really good, a little cheesy in some parts. There was one scene where a crew member plants a small United States flag into the ground, and Charlton Heston does this laugh like, ho, 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 ha, ho, ha, 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 ha. And I'm like, what the hell was that? Why did he laugh? What? Like, I just didn't understand the context at all. But outside of things like that, which I'll just overlook as 60s acting, it's pretty good. I liked the camera work, but he did two things that really annoy me, and it seems to be present in a lot of older movies. Whenever they want you to see something important, they do a quick zoom into it. And it's like, I'm not stupid. I get it. I see it. You don't have to zoom in. It's right there. And especially if you're in a movie theater watching it on a huge screen, you can't miss it. And also, there were a couple of times where he did shaky cam, which I don't like, and it didn't seem necessary. I did have to take a Dramamine pill. Outside of that, the sets were really impressive. The interior of the ship looked well-constructed. All of the indoor sets looked like they were made from rock or stone. Just kudos to the designer. I really enjoyed seeing the landscapes. It's incredible how many places in America can be used to represent other planets. Which makes you think about the moon landing. Hmm. Um, <laughs> complete joke. The special effects were decent in certain places. The backdrops that they used for space really pale in comparison to something like 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was released in the same year. So the technology was available, but maybe the budget wasn't. The makeup is amazing. The apes look like apes with a little humanoid quality. The mouths move pretty well in conjunction with the dialogue. I know that doesn't sound like much, but especially compared to what they do now, this was definitely ahead of its time. And an interesting note, this film was rated G, but we get some naked bum action. Not saying that's a good thing, it's just surprising. Now for a little trivial trivia. Fans of the 1966 television series Batman might recognize the sound effect used for the rocket jets. It's the same as when the Batmobile revs up. It must have been in the sound archive as they both were produced by 20th Century Fox. Planet of the Apes was produced by Arthur P. Jacobs and filmed in Lake Powell, Utah, Horseshoe Bend in Page, Arizona, with the final scene being shot at Point Doom in Malibu, California. The cinematography was captured by Leon Shamroy, whose filmography includes The King and I, South Pacific, Porgy and Bess, and won four Oscars for Best Cinematography of The Black Swan, 1943, Wilson, Leave Her to Heaven, and Cleopatra. It was edited by Hugh S. Fowler, who worked on Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, The Seven Year Itch, Stagecoach, In Like Flint, and won an Oscar for Best Film Editing of Patton. The score was composed by Jerry Goldsmith, who wrote the music for Patton, Chinatown, Star Trek, Poltergeist, Gremlins, Basic Instinct, L.A. Confidential, and of course, one of my favorites, Alien, and won an Oscar for Best Music Original Score for The Omen. I shouldn't be surprised that the score was a highlight for me. Jerry Goldsmith has a way of really capturing the atmosphere. In this instance, he used a mixture of primal sounds, percussion instrumentation, alongside flutes and piano. It's classic Goldsmith. Now, in the beginning, we're really watching these characters explore the planet. So there are scenes of them walking around, splashing in the water, walking around some more. And these could seem kind of tedious, except for the fact that the score builds up the tension and suspense. That keeps it from being monotonous. The runtime is 1 hour 52 minutes. 
It had a budget of $5 million and grossed $34 million at the box office. It was nominated for two Oscars at the 1969 Academy Awards, Best Costume Design and Best Music Original Score for a Motion Picture. John Chambers received an honorary Oscar for Outstanding Makeup Achievement. There were four sequels to the original film, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, and Battle for the Planet of the Apes. There was a short-lived television series, Planet of the Apes, in 1974, as well as an animated series a year later called Return to the Planet of the Apes. A remake directed by Tim Burton was released in 2001 and forgotten by 2002. Then a rebooted film franchise started in 2011 with Rise of the Planet of the Apes. In 2013, the original Planet of the Apes was selected for the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for its significance culturally, historically, or aesthetically. I give it 4 out of 5 stars. If you've seen Planet of the Apes and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattForgotThat. Moving right along, I'm going to end each podcast with clips that you might have forgotten. It could be movie trailers, music videos, commercials, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called Matt Forgot That Playback. Action Jackson is a movie that has haunted me. Because it was released in 1988, so I probably saw it on HBO around 1989-1990, and I remember enjoying it. I liked Carl Weathers from the Rocky movies, and he was just coming off of Predator, which is one of my favorite action movies, so I was really excited to see this movie. And it's everything you can expect. Great action set pieces, a car chase or two, sinister villains, cheesy one-liners, and a budding romance. But that was the last time that I had seen Action Jackson. Over the years, I'd look for it. Didn't see a VHS copy, a DVD, it wasn't in Blockbuster, Hollywood Video, and it wasn't even played on any of the premium networks, no HBO, Showtime, Stars, Cinemax. You couldn't find it on cable, TNT, USA, nothing. And it made me start to think that I actually imagined this movie. So because of this, I've been thinking about this movie for almost 30 years now. And I think I built it up in my head like it was an amazing movie. So last year, I finally came across a Blu-ray version of this movie. And I immediately ordered it. I couldn't have been more excited the day it came in. And I watched it that night. I have to tell you, it lived up to the hype. Everything I said before still rings true. It's probably a little cheesier than other action movies that I'd seen, but it was a great vehicle for Carl Weathers. You could tell he was having a lot of fun with it. It had a great cast, co-starring Vanity, a singer and a prince protege who transitioned to acting, Craig T. Nelson from Coach, Sharon Stone of Basic Instinct fame, this would be an early role for her, Tom Wilson, Biff from Back to the Future, Robert Davi from Goonies, and Bill Duke from the aforementioned Predator. It was the featured directorial debut of Craig R. Baxley, who was a stunt coordinator on Diamonds Are Forever, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, Mr. Majestic, and Rollerball, and second unit director on Heaven Can Wait, Reds, and Predator. It was written by Robert Renew, who penned an episode of The Hitcher and Tales from the Crypt, and the screenplay for Demolition Man. The theme song, He Turned Me Out, was performed by the Pointer Sisters, it's included on their studio album Seriously Slammin' and the Action Jackson soundtrack, which featured three songs by Vanity. So yeah, this was a really fun movie. It encapsulates 80s action films pretty well. 
It did decently at the box office, but not enough to make a sequel. But Carl Weathers made another film called Dangerous Passion, which was retitled in some countries as Action Jackson 2. But it has nothing to do with the original. So I've posted a couple of clips about Action Jackson. They're all available in the Matt Forgot That playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. That's all for this edition of Matt Forgot That. Thanks for listening to me reminisce. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've reviewed, or want to share your own trip down memory lane, use the hashtag MattForgotThat on social. Head over to MattSarosky.com for the latest news and updates, and come back next time for the rewatch and review. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. (laughs) My impressions are awful. (laughs) They're like the discount cereal. It's not Fruit Loops, it's Fruitios. It stars Charles... What was that? It stars Charles? No. That's tough to say, even for someone who actually can speak well. Planet of the Apes. What can I say? Oh, that fell off the rails.